Hey, welcome everyone. We're going to go through Psalm 126 to get us started here. We've got six verses, a song of ascents. This psalm seems to speak about the return of the exiles. The unnamed psalmist was joyful because they were returning to their land through God's hand. Verses 1 through 3. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. The psalmist acknowledges that the return to the land of Israel was like a dream. This is possibly referring to the return from Babylonian uh, captivity. Uh, This captivity uh, happened later in Israel's time. We see that towards uh, the end of 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles. We see it in Ezra and Nehemiah, those books. Uh, The captives were set free and were filled with joy and gratitude for what the Lord had done for them as a nation. God's promises had been kept. Verse 4. Restore our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. There was joy in the return, but there was still prayer for complete restoration. He compared their return to the streams in the Negev, a desert south of Judah. In the dry season, the streams had little to no water, but in the rainy season, their banks often overflowed with water. Verses 5 and 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. The psalmist finds comfort in that they were sowing tears and weeping, but they would reap joy. The land had been neglected because they had been in in captivity. It would be very difficult to work the land, but persistence would bring about a harvest. They trusted God to bring them that harvest. We, as well, need to depend on God for all things and praise Him for our circumstances. We must remember God has granted us the hope of a new land, and that's heaven, and that He is faithful to His people. Our hope, which is Jesus, is living proof that God is faithful, even when we are not, and we can depend on Him. Psalm 127, five verses, a song of ascents, of Solomon. This psalm is credited to Solomon. It records the blessings and the prosperity the Lord allows. The author in particular names children as a reward from the Lord. Verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Unless the Lord is involved, all labor is in vain. The psalmist gives an example of a watchman looking out for enemies from a city. Without the Lord's protection, the watchman looks out in vain, because God can easily direct an enemy to destroy the city without the watchman even noticing. Without God, it is pointless to wake up early to work to work hard, to work late. Only God can sustain us in and out of work. He's the only one who can guide our hands and our thoughts. Unless the Lord is involved, we work for things that will vanish and that are temporary. Is God involved in your work?
Now, how do we apply this concept to our lives? A lot of people busy themselves with the work of this life, accumulating things and wealth with earthly goals in mind. Please note, there's nothing wrong with building up a household and working hard, but it is wrong when these things become an end in and of themselves. We are to glorify God with our lives and enjoy His gifts. This means God should be involved in everything in our lives. Verses 3-5 through five. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Children are a reward from God. The image is powerful of arrows in the hand of a warrior. They're like weapons. The man that has many arrows is very blessed because arrows help defend against the enemies at the gate. The gate was in the city. It was where the civil cases were discussed and decided. Uh, With many arrows in his quiver, neither the father nor his children had anything to be ashamed of at the gate. Children truly are a blessing from God because they are a special gift from God. We need to nurture and take care of our children, guiding them to the truth, loving them in Christ, and disciplining them as Christ disciplines us. This is a hard task, but it's worth every second. Psalm 128, six verses, a song of ascents. The anonymous psalmist voices how those who fear the Lord will be blessed. He mentions some blessings and gives a prayer for greater blessings. Verses 1 and 2. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy, and it will be well with you. Everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his way is blessed. This may mean physically and material, but we think it is more than that. It is also the spiritual blessing of salvation, the blessing of hope, peace, and the other fruits of the Spirit, the blessing of being in relationship with God. The righteous man will find fruit from the work that he does. He will work with God's glory, and God will bless him with the results. This will bring happiness and blessings. The wise man walks through life primarily concerned with the glory of God, not with the blessings God may grant to his children. Verses 3 and 4. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. In that time, the vines were a very important part of crops. It is also a graceful plant that produces delicious fruit. The wine of this man will be like a fruitful vine, Mm. in the sense that she can bear children and that she can be a source of peace and blessing to her family. And we see an expansion of this in in Romans, in Proverbs 31, 10 to 31. The children are portrayed as fruitful olive plants, another important plant at that time in this location. In the Hebrew, they are called olive shoots or baby olive trees. This was done on purpose, as olive trees lived about 40 years giving olives. They were a symbol of longevity and productivity, unlike the often cited image of grass that is quickly destroyed. The man who fears the Lord can be blessed with a fruitful family that honors God through their actions and extends to many generations. Verses 5 through 
verses 5 and 6. The Lord bless you from Zion, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. The psalmist calls more blessings on those that follow God and fear Him. These include blessings from Zion, or Jerusalem, and being able to see the prosperity of Jerusalem. He also asks a blessing of long life, so they might be able to see their grandchildren. The psalmist ends by asking for peace on the nation of Israel. Why is this important? Well, this obvious question comes to mind. Are we fearing and chasing God? Do we see Him with an awe and respect that aligns our life to His ways? Are we in love with God for the love He has bestowed? Blessings can come, but the key is to be satisfied with the gift giver, not the gifts. Psalm 129, eight verses, a song of ascents. This unknown psalmist speaks about how God had delivered him from the wicked. He also prays for God to shame those that hate Zion. Verses 1 and 2. Many times they have persecuted me from my youth up. Let Israel now say, Many times they have persecuted me from my youth up, yet they have not prevailed against me. Israel is the most persecuted nation in the history of the world. It is one of the greatest miracles of God that they are still a nation. Despite this relentless persecution of God's people, the wicked have not won against them. They have not been overthrown and defeated. Verses 3 and 4. The plowers plowed upon my back. They lengthened their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut in two the cords of the wicked. The plowers lengthening their furrows indicates the suffering that Israel went through with their enemies. It's the image of someone plowing on someone's back, which would be very painful. Plows were used to dig lines through the dirt for planting. But God brought deliverance from these enemies and cut them loose from bondage. For this deliverance, God is called righteous and just. Verses 5 through 8. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like grass upon the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, or the binder of sheaves his bosom. Nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. The psalmist asks God to curse those who hate Jerusalem, or Zion, with shame, and asks that they would wither away like the grass on a rooftop, without means of making roots in the scorched by the sun. The psalmist even asks readers not to give them the common blessing of greeting. We see that at the end of verse 8. Because these wicked people were against God, and they were wicked in and of themselves, they were sinful. This is a direct call to chase God and not be part of the group of the wicked. Psalm 130. Eight verses. A song of ascents. The psalmist called on God to have mercy on his people. The psalmist knew that God forgives sin, and he called on the nation to wait for when God would redeem them. This is a penitential psalm. Verses 1 and 2. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. 
The depths is a figure of speech indicating a difficulty, possibly even to the point of death. It's like being stuck in a pit or in deep water, seemingly far away from God. He calls to God for mercy, for an audience, for his prayer to be heard. Verses 3 and 4. If you, Lord, should mark my iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. This is an awesome pair of verses. If God would keep track of our sins against him, no one, no one would be left standing. We all fall short of perfection. It's a mark that we simply can't reach. One sin in a lifetime fails, just as short of perfection as a million of them. If he kept track, then who could stand before him? We would all be deserving of his just wrath, period. Yet, God, from the inception of sin, has given the opportunity to be saved from its eternal consequences. He offers forgiveness for our sins. This forgiveness shows us yet another reason why God should be feared, loved, and respected. He is worthy of our obedience and our love. This is an awesome act that God does. He allows the offender, us, to be forgiven. Best of all, when he forgives, he chooses not to remember our sins. Verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. The psalmist tells the reader that he was waiting on the Lord. He was depending and hoping on his word. He waited eagerly, like a watchman. A watchman was to guard the city by staying awake and observing around the city for coming enemies. The hardest time to be a watchman would be in the middle of the night. These men would be hopeful for the dawn so that they could be relieved of their duties and go to bed. The psalmist was waiting for God even more than the watchman was waiting for relief. Verses 7 and 8. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Israel is called to place its hope on God as well. God was full of loyal love and would offer full pardon to those who chose to be His. God would redeem or buy Israel's freedom from her sins. This hope in God and dependence on His Word is the same for all believers throughout all time. This was possibly a prophecy of Jesus. He came and redeemed the world from their sins. He paid for their debt of sin. The only way to gain forgiveness from God is through Jesus Christ. He's the only way to God. Through his incredible love, he has offered this way at the cost of his own life. The question becomes, have you accepted this way? Have you told others of it if you have already accepted it? 